a pleasant good morning to everyone and welcome to another edition of the Carlos Brown show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Here's the guest menu for July the 8th. Of course, you see him right now, Charles Etman, special guest co-host in the house again this week. Uh, in hour number one, following Charles, of course, will be Coach Van Petaway. Uh, we're going to be talking some NBA free agency and NBA basketball. Still a lot to talk about. Then in hour number one, uh, Dylan Marotra, he'll join us. He's a Southern University quarterback, transferred in from the University of Alabama, Alabama Birmingham. He's a native of uh, – well, he played his high school football in Baton Rouge, Episcopal High School. Then the good doctor joins us in our number two, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. We'll get his perspectives on a couple of topics. And then last but not least, Ivan Thomas, the number one JUCO tight end player from Hutchinson Junior College. He has committed to Southern University, and he will join us to wrap up today's show. Here's what's trending. And I didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but uh, Southern University football game against Bethune-Cookman University now will be moved to Jacksonville, Florida. And Charles knows a bit about uh, one of the reasons why. Um, October 21st, 2023, TIAA Bankfield, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, continue with Southern University football. The Jaguars will begin a two-game series with a state FCS opponent, none other than Nickel State. Now, Southern will host the first game in 2024, a home game, and then in 2027, the Jaguars will return the game uh, to Colonel's field. Jaguars uh, are behind in the series. They've played 19 times, down 13 games to six. The last time they played, was in 20, uh, excuse me, 2002, the Jaguars dropped a 21 to 13 decision. I also got an email about uh, this series. And of course, this <laughs> this person does not like these type of games. And, and I've seen this before. Um, we'll just see how Southern University uh, fan base feels about playing an in-state opponent. Fam use. Coach Pillow resigns as the head women's basketball coach. That was unexpected, shocking to most. Um, hmm, we'll find out the details of that. Maybe we'll uh, talk with Brian Fulford later on in the week and kind of get the gist of what uh, has happened there. And then also the 2023 football season ticket update. We'll talk about that for Southern University. A new feature that they've been <laughs> screaming about, pulling their hair out. No pun intended. Now it's going to take place with Southern University uh, football season ticket update. And then last but not least, HBCU Swingman Classic, American League over the National League 4-3. to three. That was played in Seattle, the HBCU Classic, focusing on the talent of the student-athletes, African-Americans. Charles, welcome. Good morning. Good morning, Carlos. How are you? Well, I'm doing fine. I'm hanging in there. So, uh, hey, glad to uh, be here another Saturday to talk some HBCU sports. Yep. We're, what, uh, 10 days away from Swag Football Media Day. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of the other conferences are going to have their media days coming up. So, uh, you know, hey, college football season is rapidly approaching. Uh, a lot to talk about. There's never a shortage of, of storylines. You, you, you talked about uh, what's going on down in Tallahassee. You know, their AD came out with some comments about, you know, some, you know, potential games that they're not going to be a part of in revenue. And and uh, I'm, I'm surprised at uh, Coach Pillow resigning when she did. I mean, players are coming on campus. I know our players will, our women's players will be here. I think our men as well this weekend. So uh, this is a time to kind of get, get meet and greet and kind of get it going. So uh, that's something uh, that we'll be, you know, clip and save and see how that works out. Well, you're absolutely right. And um, I, I kind of want to dig in a little deeper and, uh, and find out if there's anything to find out, you know, well, but what was the, the cause? But um, I'll look into it a little bit more. One thing about it, if I don't know something, I trust good sources, good, good people who can give you the right information. So that being said, uh, we're going to bring in Coach uh, Van Petaway, and we're, we're going to start off talking um, some NBA free agency and uh, just want to say good morning to and good afternoon to everyone in the chat room hope everyone is having a great uh weekend so well there there's one uh, adrian crook says well she wasn't winning and um, she did have a uh, disappointing conference record and overall record and you know I, I talked to someone who was shocked as well because they looked at her pedigree, her bio, you know, where she played collegiately and where she coached at. So they thought that would help, but sometimes it's got to be the, be the right fit. Yeah. So, well, I mean, for, for me, I mean, I, I, I get the numbers, I get the end result, but why now? I mean, we, we've seen college coaches get let go right after the season, March, April, but this is July. So it, it leads me to believe that, a couple of things. And again, I, I don't know. I'm not in Tallahassee. Of course, we have sources that are. Could there be an oppor- better opportunity for her? From my understanding, she's making a pretty decent salary. Um, her contract wasn't up. Um, so you could just put the pieces together a little bit and say, could could a better opportunity have come along? Who knows? But it, the timing of it is, is what I'm looking at. The results are the results. But the timing of it, if you're still dealing with college basketball coaches in July when your players are coming in, I mean, you, I, I follow a lot of schools on social media. They're already University of Houston and uh, Alabama. Uh, you, could, you, you name it. Players are on campus getting ready for college basketball, which starts in November. So to have this happen at this time, it just makes me wonder if there's something else more so than the results. I, I don't know, but it just seems very odd and intriguing to me right and uh, and charles the other piece of that this is also a recruiting window for the collegiate coaches yeah. so uh you know with for them not being uh having a head coach out on the road uh and and then you got your, your workouts going on too yeah this is a very very bad time to be making for a coach to be leaving a program because this is the time that you that you're building towards your season because you got your kids on campus where there's no pressure now, so this is mm-hmm. an opportunity for the kids, uh, number one, to better themselves, and then this is when you build your continuity. This is when the kids get to know each other, 
because it's less stressful during the summertime because you, you don't have that full load of classes and, and you don't have all the other things that go along with being a, a student preparing for a season uh, at this particular time. And a big piece to that is they're losing my manpower on the road when it's recruiting time. Well, do you think, you know, now I'm listening to both of you guys talk, and now it, just, it has my mind wondering, did something happen, you know, really concerning from a personal standpoint? Um, was it just the uh, coaching aspect that she has a better offer? Or, you know, it just it, it gets you to wondering what, what really happened. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a tough one. And, and that I don't know. Yes. Right. Yeah. With us not being there, yeah, we don't need to speculate. Yeah. Right. Well, well, well Coach Petaway, I, I, I will say this. I'll push back a little bit. There is one program in which, even though this is July, whatever, there is pressure. You know where that is, right? Where? Landon Bussey at Alcorn State University. What? Trust what? me. Well, he, uh, he, no, no, let, let me let me explain. Right. Coach he, Bussey is one of those guys right. from day one. It doesn't matter whether it's July, whether it's Alcorn versus Bama State or November. Trust me, when it when when things kick off next week, he's gonna be in full tilt mode. I can guarantee yep. you that there right, is pressure right. to try to win three in a row. Right. Well, see that that's self-imposed pressure. D- there you go. That, that's, <laughs> that's what I was about to say. You yeah, right, right. Right. And yeah. then, you know, some of us we, we like that. That's the only way we can make it. We you, you know, we have to create pressure or we have to create a scenario in order for us to stay focused and and to uh have that laser beam focused on one thing, and that's preparing our team and ourselves for the long haul. Yeah. Right. Good point. Self-imposed. Well, I've, I've heard that this week. Self, <laughs> self-imposed for Coach Bussy, but that, that's his personality. Um, Coach, because we have you at 1130, let's, let's, let's move on. NBA free agency. Charles, before the show started, you know, he's going to take the opposite view. And we know he, because he knows I'm a Miami Heat fan. We'll, we'll start there. You know, bottom line, Damon Lillard wants to be at Miami. I think, in my humble opinion, they're going to get it done. Pat Riley and management, they're going to get it done. Now, it may take three or four team trade. Historically, that has happened before in the NBA. So, But the big question, I've been watching the national pundits talk about, well, Portland has to do what's best for them. Understand. But for Lillard, he's been law for 11 years there at Portland. And he says now he's only going to go to Miami. He doesn't have a no trade clause. So with that being said, you're going to have to bring in another team to help, you know, speed up this, this trade, but let me, let, let me, enough of my, uh, Randy, um, what, 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 what do you think coach Petaway? Cause you know, I, I, I respect your opinions. Well, I, I think, uh, he has the right. He, he has shown his loyalty over the last 11 years. So now he feels like it's a time, it's time for a move. And I think they should try to accommodate him. But now here's mm-hmm. the big thing with Miami. How much are they going to have to give up to get him now? Can I yeah, answer that? that? Yeah, that that's the big key because if mm-hmm. you give up too much, having him 
it's still not going to get you over the hump. Mm-hmm. Now, if they can keep if they can keep everything in place and add him, I would think that they would be a favorite. Well, let's just be brutally honest. They have been making some cap moves. Um, Victor Oladipo to my uh, to Oklahoma City. Um, they had some you know, some draft picks that they can add in there. They can add Hero is their most valuable asset. But Portland is stacked at that position. So that's why they will want a third team to come in and help facilitate. Now, Brooklyn Nets was mentioned. They would love to do it, but then they want to tag Ben Simmons into that to, to trade. And, and, and so that's why it gets it gets tricky. But all, what they have, the short answer, they have um, their own picks, their later round picks, you know, later years, um, Hero, uh, boy, they, what's the other guy name who had a great one? He has a twin brother. They they can throw him in there. Duncan Robinson, Lowry co- will come off the books, and he has a big salary. So uh, it, it 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 can get done. Jay Lawson says in order to get a little Jimmy or Bam, will have to go. No, they won't. No, no they won't. No, no. no. won't <laughs> with other pieces that they have. No, they're they're uh, uh, Jay. They're they're untouchable. You can have Lowry. Caleb Martin, that was the other Martin, yeah. Hero, Duncan Robinson, and then you throw in some of those draft picks that they got from Oklahoma City. They can throw in, but the key is their their later years. I think it gets done. I, I think it gets done, Coach Federal. Yeah, but at what expense, though? Is my my, my yeah. concern is at what expense? Well, if if, if you mm-hmm. if you get rid of you, okay, Miami got where they were because they ended up having being able to play uh, eight to nine people per game. Mm-hmm. Well, if you get rid of some of those people, now you don't have the same depth. You don't have the depth, so you, you, you're going to lose. And Lord knows if they had to give up uh, one of the big two, it, it's over with. They're not going to uh, do anything. That, that, that's not going to happen, Coach. Uh, you I, know, I hope I, not. I, and then, too, also a free agency, Charles, because I know both of you guys cover it, Strauss. Left for a better deal, you can't blame him, right? And, and Gabe Vincent, so they uh, um, well, see, see you already losing assets that helped you to get to the championship, but but we also haven't talked about the other elephant in the room. We 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 know what the Heat's needs are, right? They need a shooter and they need a big. All we've talked about is Dame Lillard, right? How have they addressed mm-hmm. the front court? Have they addressed the front court? Yes, they had a nice pickup, Brian, six, six, eleven. If you remember Coach Federway and Charles, your team is the Lakers. He played there and I think did a great job. He's from the University of Indiana, young. Then he got traded to Denver. So he gets a ring. Right. You know, because okay. Coach Petaway, let me ask you this. I believe Bam, natural position. I know you got the point forward, straight yeah. forward. He's a four. Right. He's a, He's power a four. Forward. Now, right. it, now, if they also get the trade with Portland, Lillard will come and also, what's the center name? Yurik, 6'10", 6, 6, 6'11". So that's another post player. Go ahead. I, I, right. I, I, know, I know somebody's coming back with a rebuttal. Go ahead. Right, right. I agree, <laughs> I agree that, that, that Bam could help the team better if he was at the four, but mm-hmm. you, you do need, need a five in there, but the big fives that were available, Lopez and all those guys, you know, time is winding up. You 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 got to go ahead and make a move. 
And I just hope that they don't deplete their roster to get little in there because yeah. then you, you're back at the same place where you don't have enough to get over the hump. You've made it to the championship game. How do you progress to that next step by winning the championship? And that yeah. shooter, yeah, he's a he's a shooter. That, he's a shooter that they need, but he's not the only piece that's going to help Miami win the championship. They need more. They got to look at that at, at their front court. Producer extraordinaire has joined in, and by the way, this was unrehearsed, and he's a Miami, and he's a, and he's a Miami, and he's a Miami Heat fan. Actually, when I first met him, he told me that. So, uh, Roy, uh, I, welcome I, to I, welcome to the broadcast. So, Roy, with the salary cap and everything, how are you gonna fix this? So then, then let me let me let me explain to y'all how this works. So, as as I posted in the thing, first off, the trade does require two. Of the three, Lowry, Robinson, or Hero, because yep. their salaries are what's going to match. So we're going to have to. We know that we're going to come out of that. Now, Doc Bryant actually said my point. Look, this is just like the first big three era. You shut everybody down and trade everybody to get <laughs> Dave Lillard in Miami, because the first thing that's going to happen, and Coach, you know this, the first thing that's going to happen is that all of those other free agents who haven't signed yet. Yep. They're gonna be waiting to say, you know what? I'm coming to Miami because I'm gonna get that shot at it. I'm gonna get that shot at a chip. And there are still some out that. there available. We will, yeah, and we will get that. Because remember, I think we had this discussion. I, I think I just kind of jumped in on one of your shows one day when I was saying it. But the thing that you gotta remember, there are literally 40s that well, there were 46 centers in free agency this year. 46. So it's plenty of centers that we can get to pull to that'll allow us to move Bam to the four, so that he can now run a pick and roll with whoever the point guard is, and then still have a backup that will allow us to keep our depth. The only person that I don't want us to let go of from this past playoff season is Caleb Martin. Caleb, yeah. that's the one you were talking about, Carlos, who has mm -hmm. a twin brother who they did they thought that he would be better. Caleb Martin, out of all the players. The show, because listen, like I said, I'm a Miami Heat fan since day one. And coach, I know you watched that series, the, yep. the whole playoffs. Those guys overachieved the entire year. I agree with that. And I tell people, let, let's look at players that have left Miami who were extremely successful in Miami and gone somewhere else. And what did they do in these other places that they were at? How many of them had continual all-star processes or, or gameplay when they left the Miami Heat system. Hmm. We make people better because Pat gives, Pat makes them be their best possible self. We're the best conditioned team in the league and that's a requirement. It's tough. You know, and you have to play, you play your part in that system. So yeah, we gonna, we, we, we gonna get it done. And Dave, need, he need to go ahead and make his way. Because see, and I'm gonna, this is Charles said something that I've been trying to, that I've been disagreeing with people forever. We don't need shooters. We need a score. That's need, a difference. It, it, it's a huge difference. And we need a three-level score because that's what we don't have. We need another consistent three-level score. Somebody can shoot the three ball. Somebody got a mid-range. And somebody who is dangerous going to the rack. 
and that third, that's because Jimmy to me, and, and and you guys may agree or disagree. Jimmy, he just looked worn worn down, and what? you know that 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 third consistent score. Now, even with Vince, no, no. and I'm not taking the shot. They they did well to get them to that point, but in that finals, him and Strauss kind of was like hot, hot, hot and cold. They're role players, Carl. That's all I was gonna say. We whoever, if Dame comes in, Dame becomes the number one option, right? And mm-hmm. Offensively, and Jimmy don't have a problem with that because Batman has been carrying the Super Friends down in Miami for years, and now all of a sudden he got a Superman hitting the building with it. I'll add you. Okay, oh, I yeah, you and Miami Heat talk. I got to get in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Roy, thank you. Uh, some people in the chat room are uh, agreeing uh, with you. Uh oh, wait a minute. Elvin says that's a Laker for you. Um, Adrian says they're they in the NBA, they all have something to. Offered. There we go. There, so I won't have to be looking off screen. Edwin says that's a Laker for you. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll quickly wrap up this. Um, you know, Miami Heat, Damon Lillard, because that's the top story right. that's going on. But it's not 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 the only one. But um, Charles and Coach Petaway, uh, how do you feel about um, the NBA summer league? I think it's more exciting. The last couple of years. Uh, people are really tuning into you seeing some great young players. And um, also, Coach uh, Petaway, since the last time we talked to you, they, they had a draft, of course. Um, what, what do you think um, some of the draft draftees that you saw and some of the teams, what did they do and the other couple of things I talked about? Well, I, I think just, just like last night, everybody was anticipating Victor's uh, debut. He, he came in the game and he, he – uh, I think some people have uh, their expectations are too high this yeah. early in the year. Yeah, uh, I think he showed he showed some of his weaknesses last night. I thought also he showed some of his strength. That kid can pass the basketball. He mm-hmm. can handle the basketball. He's the type of person that his offense is not going to be his the, the, his strong suit. I think his Defense. strong suit. Yeah, I know. I think what is you no know, to me. He's going to be a facilitator. Yeah, I, I think he's gonna make the other people around him better uh because he can see the floor, he can make the plays off the dribble or standing still, he can make the pass. And I just think we just need to give him time. He's got the rest of the summer to get ready, and I think uh he will probably be in in the running for uh rookie of the year. But there are also some other guys now. You look at Scoot, Scoot had a great game before he got hurt. Right. Um mm-hmm. I, I think the NBA has a very bright future. You look at the Thompson brothers, uh, you know, twins going uh, back to back in the NBA draft. They can oh, play. Oh, that's and, special. Yeah. And then, you know what? And then, now I know you all remember uh, the brother that played at, at Prairie View. I remember Thompson. I remember doing some of his games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this this is a this is a big year for the NBA. And I think their future is bright because – that draft that they had, they've got a lot of good talent in that draft. And I think some of these guys are going to be uh, – they will be the face of the NBA. Charles, Charles, did you hear, and Coach Federer and Charles, that they're also going to do a um, in-season tournament? And then also um, they're going to be having the uh, playing games in Las Vegas. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I, 
you know, I, I, the, the the playing game for me as a fan kind of grew on me. I, I wasn't I was kind of like some of the players when it first came out. They really weren't a fan of it. But you see how it's evolved. Mm-hmm. That midseason tournament, I'm still kind of wrapping my brain around that um, a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you got an 82-game grind. You got this in-season, mid-season tournament. Why not let the play-in speak for itself? I think the play-in, you saw what the Miami Heat did in the play-in and how far they went. I, I thought the play-in, that whole structure was enough for me. But now you got this in-season, uh, mid-season tournament. Uh, that's, that's a, for me personally, I think it's a little bit much. I, I would rather just have the mid, the uh, end stuff, the the, the playing stuff stand on its own. But we'll see. I mean, the 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 end, the, uh, the other tournament kind of grew on me. So we'll we'll see what this mid season thing is all about. But as a fan, I just like to see that, you know, you're you're playing to try to get in, and so I, I like that as composed to what we're looking at in mid season for me as a fan. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think at this point the NBA they're just trying things. Uh, they're going after the money right now. If it's a money venture for for them, you're going to see them continue this. If if it does not bring the money in that they expect, oh, it won't last long. They're not yeah. going to hurt the brand because right now they're riding pretty high. So uh, they're going to keep it out there and then see with Victor hitting the lead and these other young players that came in uh, during this draft, I, I think they're going to ride this wave out. They want to make sure that, that the product is still growing. Yeah, because you see, because you see cuts uh, all over the place when it comes to uh, sports, like you know what just happened at ESPN with with all these people being let go because of money. Now, who 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 would have thought ten years ago that ESPN would be cutting people talking about uh, they got to save a dollar? I mean, that's unheard of, man. Well, but on one hand, they say they're gonna save a dollar, but then on the other hand, they you just gave up eighty five million to one guy. Yep. Come on, man. And, Something's not right. And they still, you know, contracts are coming up where they're going to be bid, you know, for, you know, uh, college football, football. Yep. Major League yeah. Baseball. Right. And, and, and then, you know, talking to people, they're, they're kind of cutting the, how do you say, cutting the cord, you know, as far as local people I've talked to, you know, they're trying to get the best package. They think a lot of this cable, Direct TV and all these other ones, you know, it's it, it's kind of expensive, and they they like a specialized, personalized uh, package, and um, that's why they're looking at other options. The consumers, it's right. the sign of the times. We're in a different, we're in a different era. We 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 want content on the go. We we don't want to necessarily sit in our living rooms. We want to be able to pick up our cell phones, our tablets, and watch that. And so. Mm-hmm. There's a cost for that, and there's money lost with that as well. So I think that's part of this is just the new digital age that we're in. Just like AI, that's that's the next thing that's coming that, that's going to impact things. But that's dangerous. It's a dark side to that. But anyway, yeah. I'll stop yeah. there. Right. I'm just saying in, in terms of you know the old traditional way of us getting content, information, news, sports, that's gone. They so I it. think they want it now, quick. Yeah. They they want it now. I mean, I want to be able to pick up this device right here and watch the game as compared to sitting in my living room. If I don't have time, if I'm not at home, I still want to be able to watch your Miami Heat while I'm on the patio. Those are the type of things that people want to do now. Mm-hmm. And there's a cost, but then at what expense? And I think you're kind of seeing that COVID also played a part in some of those layoffs as well. 
ESPN is making a ton of money. There's no question about it. Yeah, and it, can't, you can't know, feel sorry for them. They're, no, they, yeah, they're yeah, making they, their money. They are, they are making money, but you hate to see, you know, good people like Jeff Van Gundy and you know people that I that I really like to watch kind of get get thrown aside. That's that's kind of the tough part about it. Yeah, well, uh, I, Coach Fedway, I think Gundy and, and and some of the other ones. Hopefully, they, you know, because of the. You know the success they've had. They'll they'll land somewhere else. You know it's it's competition. You got you know other networks, um, podcasts. Everybody's right. doing podcasts. So uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, coach, anything collegiately? Well, uh, I, you, that's you happening. Got, well, I think that the the the, uh, the teams are most of the teams. I've had an opportunity to go up to watch. Alabama and them uh, do, doing some of their workouts. Uh, I think the summer workouts has really helped the the game of basketball because it's given the smaller schools uh, an opportunity to to work one on one with their athletes, and I think that's great for the game. Uh, I think they're going to have some things coming down the pipe now that that'll help them. You know, they, they're talking about uh, them having the two scrimmages or the two games during during the summer. They put that on hold for right now. But but I, I think it's going to be good for the game when they do implement that because that'll give you a, a gauge early as to where you are, and and at the same time there still might be a window for you to help yourself because if you're seeing this during the summer, there's some kids who are being uh, in uh, summer school for JUCOs and and uh, kids that might be able to jump in the portal late after they see that they're not going to be a part of some of the programs. So this is another avenue for you to be able to uh, pick up. It, it's nothing but free agency. So you just pick up another free agent. And 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 speaking of that, Coach, but Bethune-Cookman just lost one to UAPB. Joe French transferred wow. to UAPB. That is that is, that that's blew weird. my socks off when I saw yeah. that. So that's gonna hey that that's gonna change the landscape of things. UAPB will be on the come up, and of course we've got a lot of uh, additions. All, all the teams are doing it. And so clearly I think this is going to set the stage to me for, I think, an exciting swag basketball season. Right. And that's why, Carlos, that's why you say that you don't give out all your scholarships up front. You always save one because when you when, – let's say a, a kid like French comes available, you would hate to be sitting there not having a scholarship to bring that kid in. So that's why you always keep one in your pocket. Well – I've talked to several coaches, not just at Southern. And to your point, you always keep a few in that pocket. <laughs> and, and, and that's what you do because, you know, hey, the transfer portal, we've talked about it. It's it, it's a new day and you, you gotta make adjustments. Free agency has come right to to uh college, college athletics. Athletics. Yep. Coach Petaway, we're gonna get you back next week but um i appreciate um, your perspective on this uh nba free agency and uh you notice charles is really truthfully a swag guy i just noticed well actually i, I noticed earlier he's got on a mississippi valley uh paraphernalia there you go charles no no it's actually vicksburg high I'm, oh I'm okay hell I'm, I'm hell it looks like it looks like fat, it, I, I was wrong. It looks like <laughs> yeah. well, give, give us a pull, child. Yeah. I'll be doing it the right way. The, the reason why is because, you know, Malcolm Butler, of course, we know Malcolm Butler. He played his high school football in Vicksburg for Vicksburg High. His camp, he has a yearly camp here in Vicksburg every year. So that's coming up. So I, 
I, I want to support the Gators and uh, Malcolm Butler and, that, and all that's coming up here in the next week and a half. Maybe that's I the way to give back, and that's the way to recruit for your for your Alcorn State Braves too. There you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> oh yeah, well, but 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 you know what? Uh, now I'm gonna throw a little shot there. <laughs> um, I, I, maybe I should have some glasses on my middle age years, but now I do see the uh, the Gator on there. But boy, it looks so similar to, to that Valley, for, yeah. for yeah. Valley. And yeah. by the way, Southern's field goal kicker is from uh, Vicksburg, so yeah good area to to recruit in well uh, oh yeah thank you Edward. he says you were on radio for a long time and now you're on streaming yep you, you, you gotta adjust yeah you, you have to adjust and social media is a big part but anyway coach Petaway, appreciate the uh time we'll talk with you next week i think it still be some more basketball in oh, yeah. talk so uh we may have to extend you give you an extension on your contract <laughs> in, 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 into september coach i got you got you got you all right guys all right thank you coach i'll talk to your agent about that all right, we're gonna take take care. take care we're gonna take a quick time out so we transition to our next guest he's in uh, the backstage studio uh dylan marotra the age is silent. I just figured that out after uh, practicing on it. So I'll see what uh, Dylan thinks of that first run of pronouncing his last night. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have our guest. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the always triple protection system. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay.
for the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to The Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Stride K-12 powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of being a leader in online education to work for you. Dive into curriculum design for the online classroom. Team up with state certified teachers nice. trained in virtual instruction. Take control of your child's education journey. Discover the power of personalized learning with a leader experienced in preparing kids for a future they can be excited about. Take charge. Stride K-12. Enroll now for the fall. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Carlos Brown, Charles Etman, and now our second guest, uh, Dylan uh, Rocha. Uh, I think I, I did, it, it, uh, give me a, pronounce it for me, Dylan. Dylan Marotra. Marotra. Well, yes, I got sir. it right the first time. This time, you did, I, you did. I, yeah, I just. Uh, Give me an A for the first time. The second will give a C plus. But uh, <laughs> welcome to the uh, Carlos Brown Show. And uh, we're going to talk with you now about uh, uh, your journey. Yes, talk sir. about your journey to Southern. Thanks for having me, though, first. Uh, it's oh. a very well put together show and looks awesome. So I'm excited to be on. Well, well, well thank you. And um, hopefully we'll continue to get better. Yes, um, your journey to Southern University. Uh, talk about it. It's very interesting. And then your, from what I was reading, your relationship with Dooley, you, you have a history with him as far as him recruiting you, uh, when he was at, uh, Prairie View and now, but, but just talk about your journey. Yes, sir. So I started my college journey at, uh, the university of Alabama at Birmingham, the Blazers. Um, I spent two seasons there and I learned a lot. I had a great two seasons, you know, we had some very great teams. I was lucky to go to two bowl games and we were the winners of both bowl games. And 
just great experiences. And I have a lot of relationships from UAB that I still value to this day with a lot of my teammates and friends. And it was great. I wouldn't change that for the world, but we had a little staff change there and I thought it would be best for me to enter the transfer portal. And like you just talked about my relationship with coach Dooley goes all the way back to high school after my junior season um, when he was at PV and he offered me at PV and I just, I knew him and it was an easy connection to kind of make. And when I told him I was in the portal, it was, it was a great connection, great connection to have. And especially with him at Southern now being back home for me is it was, it was big. So, yes, sir. I, I, Neil and I had to go back and look and then I had to refresh my memory, Episcopal high school. And as you know, you see, you see the footage there. I'm just going to be brutally honest. I was, when I think of Episcopal, for some reason, why I didn't think of them as a program that likes to pass the ball. I'm sure they have a history of it. So I guess it's uh, uh, on my part, I should have known better. But uh, as you can see, uh, a, a great program and known for passing the ball. Talk about your time there. Great time there. Um, like you said, we were, we were a predominantly wing T kind of offense. Um, but my junior year, we kind of, Went a little hybrid with spread and wing T, trying to mix it up and give defenses a different look. We had weapons. I mean, you can see on these clips, uh, a lot of my receivers are making plays. And um, I think that's what why we were really successful was our defense with Coach Jimmy Williams. Um, mm-hmm. And then this offense that we were running with a lot of weapons, we were able to mix it up and do different things. And it was fun. It was fun for sure. A lot of guys – I've talked to you today, of course, and we reminisce a lot, and I miss those days for sure. Yeah, well, we, we, Charles, you can see uh, the footage. Um, yeah, you know, athletics, <laughs> athletically, um, looks like you make all of the throws. And um, I, I will transition to this. In the spring game was the only time that I was able to see uh, Southern. And um, I, I'll, I'll just be honest again, um, I knew about the arm strength and making all the throws. I'm big on that. But I was also surprised, Dylan, um, athletic ability to be able to make things happen with your legs. But it seems like it's throw the ball and make all the throws first. Of course, of course. And I feel like as a quarterback, that's my job. I'm kind of like the point guard, of course, um, on the field. And I want to get my guys involved. But I also know that a part of my game is being able to get outside the pocket, keep my eyes downfield and make some things happen. And, I enjoy doing that, too, because that's kind of how the game is adjusting today is you're seeing a lot more mobile quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you got to be mobile nowadays. And if I can keep my speed up, keep my uh, agility up, my moves, whatever I can do to create space, I'm going to I'm going to do that for sure. Charles, I'm, I'm sure you have some questions. And by the way, Dylan, he for the record, he calls all of the games for Alcorn State. Universe, and he's a Grambling graduate, so I don't want you to be blindsided. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. It's 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 still early yet. Still, still trying to feel out the competition a little bit. So uh, uh, I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let let me ask you about uh, Coach Dooley's system and watching these highlights. It looks like this is Coach Dooley's system. What tell tell people about? Coach Dooley's system and what makes it so comfortable uh, for you? Well, I, when he was uh, 
recruiting me out of the portal kind of he kept bringing up um and that pb when he recruited me that we run an nba style offense is what he calls it and it's fast paced and we're going up and down he wants to score the ball and he wants to put in the air so as a quarterback that's exactly what i want to hear um you know i love to throw the ball and he's got a lot of a lot of things within his offense that allows us to get certain playmakers into certain areas and do what they can do and all we got to do as the quarterback is get it to those guys. And we have a lot of playmakers at receiver. I know y'all know we're deep at receiver and as well as running back tight end and our all O-line is nice this year. And so I think if we can get those guys into positions to make plays and get the ball in their hand, we're going to be successful. Follow up. Yeah. When you talk about the, the quarterback position, of course, one of the great quarterbacks to play in this conference and Willie Totten is your quarterback's coach. Talk about working with him and some of the things that that you're learning, some of the nuances of that position. It's always room for growth and improvement and learning. What what have you learned from him so far? From him, so I've kind of learned more of the mental side of playing the position, especially at this level. Um, Uh You know, he's one of the best, I'd say the best ever, and he always likes to show us the stats and 60 points per game and nine (laughs) touchdowns in a game. He likes to talk about it, which I don't blame him, but – having him in the quarterback room is it takes a little stress off because you know he's going to get us right for game day and so far I feel like I've improved tremendously under coach Totten since he's been here and I've only known him a couple months so I can't wait to keep going with him. Now uh, Dylan and Charles to to his point a follow-up we had coach Willie Totten on last week and you remember the question I asked about the quarterback room that is ideally what Dylan said the first thing about you know the, the, the mental aspect in, in in the quarterback room, making all of the throws. And he said it was his job to to uh, have the quarterbacks in position. So to your point, uh, Dylan, um, that's pretty much what he said last week about the uh, uh, mental aspect. So the, you, we talked about your journey to Southern University, your high school, um, your acclimation and transition into the spring game was there a certain focus you had because you're transferring in and then your spring performance i know it's basically kind of basic vanilla but how how do you feel now compared coming out of spring practice then coming into spring practice i felt like coming out i had a lot of work to do with just the system and it was still a new system at uab we ran a different system than what we're running here completely same kind of concepts in certain areas, but how it's called and how we call it signals, all that it's, it's different. So I just had a learning curve with that. I wanted in the spring to kind of take that in stride, have fun and play ball, but still keep uh, my mental sharp and make sure I was picking everything up, make sure coach Dueling, coach Tom wanted me to pick it up their way. And um, you know, I still got work to do. And this summer I'm, getting over the hiccups a little bit of what I was in the spring. So I'm ready for camp. I think camp's going to be very important, not only for me, but for all the quarterbacks with within the system. So, You know, that's interesting, Charles. That was going to be my next point, uh, how Dylan's going to prepare for fall camp. You know, it's the mental aspect, but it's also um, the physical aspect, mm-hmm. the, the conditioning. How's that going so far? Um, and does quarterbacks – have a specific training 
part in the offseason compared to other positions or everybody kind of has, uh, you know, ideally the same workout plan specific to your position? I'd say as a team, we're all go. Um, everything's kind of we're doing with everyone else. There's certain lifts and, of course, little things that quarterbacks need to do differently to help our arm and different things within the shoulder, just different things like that. But, um, no, it's been great work. Coach Nick has been – he's been getting us right. You know, we've been running and doing a lot of running. It's tiring and it wears out your body, but it's good work. And, of course, the weight room, I'm feeling like I'm getting bigger. I'm seeing results in the weight room, and I've been pleased with what's going on there. So, Yeah, well, and, and you know, we've talked to uh, several players that have come on this show in the previous uh, weeks, and uh, I'm going to ask you what I've asked them. You, you've got your student, you're academic, you, you have to concentrate on that, time management, uh, working out, conditioning, the, the mental part. Do you peek at the schedule? And this will be your first time in, in, in the conference playing in front of the, uh, uh, the HBCU culture. What are you looking forward to? Has anybody told you kind of what to expect? And you've seen the clips of the band, the Bayou Classic, the Jackson State. Do you peek at the schedule while you have all of these other things going on in your mind? I do. Of course you look at it, of course. Um, of course, I look at our first home games. Jackson State, of course, is going to be a great atmosphere. And Baton Rouge in general is going to be jumping for that weekend. But, of course, the first game of the season is Alabama State. And I got three UAB teammates of mine um, that are going to be on Alabama State. So it's going to be going to be tied with that. Of course, I'm going to get to see them. And I hope they do well for them themselves, of course. But I want us to get the victory, of course. And I'm going to let them know that for sure. <laughs> well, and by the way, in the chat room, or another chat room, um, Alcorn State, Charles. Do you know the time of that Southern and Alcorn State game in in, in Larman? Um, I can find out. I believe it's going to be an afternoon game. I think two o'clock. Oh my goodness! But I guess when you're on the road, Dylan, you rather play an afternoon game. I don't know. I'm just asking. I know Alcorn's got that nice uh, grass field, so it won't be too hot coming off the turf. <laughs> well, yeah. Turf is a, a whole different uh, beast as far as the mm -hmm. the heat. Um, but you should have had a problem being, you know, when you played in high school Episcopal. I'm sure it was just as hot then as it is now in Baton Rouge. But um, compared to Birmingham, same weather, more humidity here. I'd say it's hotter here <laughs> after having a summer, two summers in Birmingham, and almost a full summer here. I can say I do not miss the weather from Baton Rouge compared to Birmingham, but it's good yeah. work, and that heat's going to mentally get you right. So, Well, one of your teammates, new teammates, uh, Jelani Davis, people are still asking me, I can't believe he said Jackson, Mississippi was hotter than Baton Rouge. <laughs> hey, you know, we're, we're not, we're not going to debate about that. It's hot in Jackson. It's just the humidity here is the mm -hmm. difference. That just in my opinion. Um, last but not least, kind of like to ask a question of, can I call it a human resource question? Your favorite NFL football team? 
New Orleans Saints, of course. NBA? Uh, Do you have NBA? I would say I'm a, I'm a big LeBron fan. I love LeBron. I think he's one of the best ever, but I'm a Pelicans fan at heart. Well, we, we see a pattern here, Charles. Louisiana, native, you, you go there. I won't ask you about baseball because, you know, you don't. we don't have a close baseball team here. But last, your favorite, favorite, Hobby, and then your favorite meal. Ooh, favorite meal for sure is probably, I would say probably like a good chicken Parmesan with some spaghetti underneath that. Um, can't go wrong with that. No. And then um, hobby. Ooh. I don't know. Spending time with my friends, my family. Um, of course, I came back home. So a lot of my high school friends, they go to LSU. I get to see them a little bit. Um of course, my family's 15, 20 minutes away, so that's very easy to get to. I'll go home every weekend. I'm actually going to go home right after this, spend some time with them, eat lunch, and hang out. So I would yeah. probably say that. Yes, sir. Yeah, how, how, does it, how does it feel, how does it feel to, to be back in the, in, in the comforts of that? I mean, I know oh. that's big for every athlete, you know, playing at home and getting back to your, your comfort zone. How, how does that feel? It's awesome. It's awesome being able to have them close by. And of course, like I'm like I said, I'm going to go home and my mom can cook. So when I go home, I'm going to eat good and I'm gonna put some calories on. And you know, just having having them here is great. Being able to go handle my business at, at school. And then if I need to have them to talk to about what I'm going through at school or with football, with school, with life, it's it's huge. It's huge to have. So good for my mental and very, very appreciative of them being here. So, well, it's been a pleasure to uh, talk with you, get to know you, um, ask you some interesting questions, and I'll wrap it on wrap it up on this: the first, the home opener. What a game, Jackson State! I won't ask you nothing else. Your expression on your face tells me all I need to know. I hope the play. Well, I don't hope that place will be packed. <laughs> Those two no fan bases no are just alike, and they're gonna go at it. It's gonna be an exciting atmosphere. And I've heard, I've heard about the atmosphere, and I really can't wait to experience it. Of course, like you said, I've seen videos on Twitter, online of it being packed up, and I'm ready to feel that for myself. It's gonna be fun. Oh, Adrian, it's you about forty. Okay, oh, <laughs> well, I, I, I'll just take a win. I'll take a win, but if it's forty. I might do something drastic. I better not even think about it. I'll take uh, a win too. We'll get we'll get the yeah, win. Yeah, yeah. Have a great weekend. Go enjoy some time with your, your family. And and man, we really appreciate you giving us some time. No, yes, sir. I appreciate y'all for having me on. It's great time. All right, thank you. Good stuff, sir. That was take care. That was Dylan Marotra joining us on the Carlos Brown show. Charles, uh interesting young man and, and and I remember maybe months ago you said you were intrigued by by him coming in a local home town person trying to get in that composition that competition for the quarterback play and we go back to Willie Totten last week you know I interpret it as it's still open you know uh, Harold Blood coming out of the spring was 
Coach Dooley said if he had to start a game now, he would go with him. But also, Coach Totten talked about having uh, autonomy to choose, along with Coach Dooley, of course, the position. Said all that to say this. Coming out of fall camp, I think it's, I think it's open. It's open. And the best fall camp performance will be the number one quarterback. Well, yeah, you know, last week, two different people pretty much said that blood is the leader coming out of the locker room going into that season opener against Alabama state, mm-hmm. at least right now. I mean, things could change, but I tell you what, this young man looking at the tape, looking at the highlights, looking at his work. And you, and I said this, I stuck my neck out when I said this and I'm going to stick with it. You know, things go sour fast and that game one against Bama state, it mm-hmm. just dawned on me a couple of weeks ago that, you know, you guys go to Montgomery. That's a huge, 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 huge game right off the bat. I mean, Alabama State's ascending. Can we say Southern is ascending? I think you can, based on the fact that they won the West, but we don't know mm-hmm. the quarterback's going to be. So that's going to be one of the many questions we'll talk about at Media Day in 10 days. But I think that's a huge game. And if you can win that game, you'll be in, in really good shape. But I tell you what, this young man, based on what I've seen, he may not be the leader in the clubhouse going into week one, but if he gets in there and makes some things happen, considering the local angle and considering the fan base and all that, and I said, mm-hmm. oh, no, I'm going to stick with it. He could he could be the guy. Who knows? But I, I just think just watching him, watching his interview and his presence, a, a lot of good stuff coming from this young man. Well, I'll still stick with my opinion, prediction. I think it'll be – the position is still open to me. I think the fall camp, whoever performs the best in the fall camp will be the starter. We've interviewed Jalen Woods, terrific player, who Coach Totten also said last week, I don't know if anybody missed this, but they will have a, a, a chance to compete in, in fall camp. Two freshmen. Then you've got both. You've got Mahotra. I mean, I, I, Charles. I mean, we can all have our personal favorites. We, I, I understand what he said about Harold Blood coming out of the spring. Someone else said too, but trust me, if Harold Blood is number one when it comes out for that first game, he would have earned it. Do you have a personal favorite? Do, do you have a guy coming out of the clubhouse in, in, in your mind that's that's a number one? The quarterback that can make all of the throws, who doesn't just rely on his athletic ability first, and I will not tell you <laughs> who is my personal favorite. I'm keeping an open mind, but I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to <laughs> see who my personal favorite is because, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to be a, a objective. How about that? But whoever makes all the throws, who wins the battle in fall camp, they're going to be the guy that gets the first snap. And I also add this, Charles. Coach Titan also talked about it, and, and, and we all talked about it. The most important battle, too, is always for number two. Who's the backup? You remember the scenario he gave where four quarterbacks knocked out of a game? Okay, Adrian says, anytime someone asks me who's the quarterback, I say we deep. 
Yep, let the competition play play up. We know who you're kind of favoring. The guests kind of uh, the guests we just had, Dylan, and I suspect you like Harold Blood from the outside um, looking in. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm I'm also looking at experience too. I mean, Noah Bowden, you know what he did at Grambling. You you can't discount that. He may be uh, outside of that, but I, I like what Bowden did when I saw him at Grambling. Um, I think you can't discount him. Uh, as well, but uh, you know, right, right. I don't know much about blood, but I do know about Bowden and this this young man here. Uh, I, I think will be something special if if you know and put in the right situation. So I, I agree. I think Southern's quarterback room is stacked. I think a lot of quarterback, a lot of situations in this conference where you have good quarterbacks. You know, you, you you've got Tyler making it all corn and you know Missouri transfer. I'll be talking with him probably in the next week or so. So I, I think it's good. I think quarterbacks in this conference are in good shape, but you got to have a good one in order to win the whole thing. We we we've seen that, so we'll we'll see how it evolves. Well, some of them, even though they've come from you know bigger programs, they hadn't played a lot. And we look at uh, Mr. Body at Texas Southern, one of the top returners, FAMU's quarterback. Who am I missing? Alabama State Alcorn's going with um, a new quarterback, so I'll stick to it. Whoever wins that fall camp, because it's going to be multiple factors that will determine it. You know, I know experience is something that you look at first and foremost, but you see in the conference, there's not um, there are several quarterbacks that don't have a lot of playing experience. Yeah, even coming from like I said, the FBS program so we will see well dr cavill is waiting we'll take a quick time out and when we come back we'll visit with the good doctor and uh let me let me see if i have my pen i got my paper because i always like to make notes notes. yeah we're going to get his perspective on a couple of things and i'll tell you when we come back you're watching the carlos brown show on the black college sports network we shall return Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, KeversVoice.com. Always on, all the time.
Welcome back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. My colleague, my friend who I've gotten to know over the years, Dean of HBCU. And, you know, I'm laughing because I'm happy I'm happy for him. He's doing great work inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. Good afternoon, Dr. Cavill. How are you? I'm doing well. It's good to be with you. As you said, longtime friend, uh, I'm not sure how many people realize that uh, you're a major reason that I got into the business and been able to have uh, what some people would say some success that I've had. Uh, you oh, lent yeah. me the platform and hopefully I paid it back in some form, fashion as we've done several oh, projects together yeah. um, in sports and outside of sports in regards to seeing you continue to grow and multifacets, but uh, I'm always humbled to be with you and uh, want to let everybody know uh, that I say thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And um, I remember doing local radio, having you and Charles on on weekly segments. But you, you know what? You, you, you brought a lot to the program. And, and I kind of look at it like this way, Dr. Kavir, and as I'm progressing through my middle age, I try to look at myself as like a point guard. People have known and grown to know my opinions, but I, I rely on the guests and, and they want to hear their perspective. So I appreciate all that both of you guys have done uh, for, for my career as well. With that being said, um, I want to talk with you and just kind of get your perspective on, on a couple of items. One, I'll just start off with this, and uh, I got my pen and paper and make some notes. Uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, effects of affirmative actions on HBCUs. And adding to that, I think it's, it's some excellent opportunities that, we, that HBCUs have. But just kind of get your perspective on the Supreme Court's uh, decision that came down last week and how that will affect uh, HBCUs. Certainly. I guess first, um, as we kind of studied this for a while, as you alluded to, we knew it was coming, but it still was uh, shocking once you heard it, or frustrating maybe uh, a better word. But as you know, um, as well as Charles, the, the history of HBCUs have oftentimes been faced with adversity uh, along with the people that it was founded to serve, which are African-American Blacks. Although it has never closed the door on anybody choosing to attend these institutions, other than when the state said it was against the law. Um, mm -hmm. But it wasn't the body or the institution that uh, precluded individuals for taking advantage for educational opportunities. So I say all that to say that as you said, there is some opportunities where we continue to do the work that we have always done, which are educate individuals that choose to come through our door, culturally enriching them with the understanding about basically uh, twofold educational steps. One, in terms of their ability to navigate the space of their career paths and their desires, but also duality of understanding that it is bigger than their individuality and that it is a collective group uh, that we often uh, seek in the second or hidden curriculum, as some 
uh, have written over the years about servicing the community and uh, the African-American black uh, state, if you would, even more so. So I think that continues to be a platform. Uh, some of the things that we must consider, though, is that um, our applications for HBCUs over the last five years, at least, and for some even longer than that, have been upwards, as you said, uh, increasing mm -hmm. as you're pointing up. So that's not much different. There's this necessity in a lot of places where you don't necessarily accept all the applications, which creates this formula in regards to your admittance criteria. Well, oddly enough, we're in a country where the more that you actually deny higher education, the higher mm. rating you get in terms mm. of the value of your institution. Now, just think about that. The more rejections that you provide creates a measure in many ways in terms of the academic prowess of your institution. So institutions like Yale, Harvard, where this was fought against, UNC, USC on the other side of the country, UCLA, Cal Berkeley, one of the top uh, academic programs as measured in many ways, as, as well as University of Texas, they have a high rejection amount. Um, and so that's one thing to consider that we're at odds with that uh, when you want to let more folks in. The other thing is, is the secondary fact, which becomes really important, is where are you going to house these students? Mm -hmm. We most recently understood that in the last year with COVID as folks came back based on the pandemic and as well as obviously the murder of George Floyd the racist pandemic, as some people have coined it, uh, had a lot of folks seeking to be at places that they felt that they be would be a more cultural fit and feel like they belong, frankly. Um, and what we found out going through that was is that we didn't necessarily have the housing uh, to house all these students. Right. And a lot of that came back on the administration saying they weren't prepared. Unfortunately, there may be part that they could have did a better job, but most people didn't want to look at particular public schools and their state legislatures that fund the institution and certainly do a largesse, if you would, in terms of funding new dorms. Most of these institutions in terms of HBCUs were not getting those funds to be able to build dorms which means they needed to be able to do some public-private business factors for housing apartments, which a lot of folks want to get into. Those are not easily financed, and they certainly oftentimes do not benefit the HBCU institutions. So there's multiple levels uh, that make this a challenge that we must uh, understand, at least, uh, to be educated, which is I'm glad you give me this platform to hopefully share with folks a way to consider this and think about this in a way that really looks at more of the different factors that go involved about how we make this more beneficial uh, to serving students, not just us, but our goal is to serve and provide opportunities to educate students. You know, Dr. Kavir, I often say, uh, or have said that we look at a problem as multi, it's multifaceted problems and it will require multifaceted solutions. It sounds like that's what I 
heard you saying focusing on, on on a couple of that because if it was just one solution, then the problem perhaps would have been solved. But it, it is a multi-layer prone uh, factors, and it, it will take multifaceted solutions. Correct? Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head and simplify in ways that I cannot. Uh, which, oh, no. I, which I love the way you do that because uh, you get to talk to the people and why that's why the people love and follow you is you're absolutely right. Um, most complex issues in the world today, most issues mm-hmm. that are not even complex are multifaceted. And we have the habit of looking at one or two things and thinking if we correct those one or two things, that we'll be fine. And that's just not the real world. As I do in my class for sports studies, and we give case studies. One of the reasons that case studies uh, are my favorite tool in terms of putting into practice for students other than projects is because it forces students to understand that there are multiple things going on at the same time that they have to solve to come to a solution to even a case study, which is more like real life. Yeah. Well, well, well Doc, let me. Let me ask you this question, and, and appreciate you coming on. I mean, it's, it's we always have these these good conversations. Thank you. Um, you you work. You're on the inside looking in, as far as an institution. I'm on the inside looking in, and we talked about this last week. How these pivots, we we know our infrastructure will be challenged. It's already challenged, and you talked about the housing situation. Those things aren't easily done in a snap of a finger. It's a lot of it when you're talking about funding, you're talking about building new housing, for example, if it's done through state dollars, there has to be data to show that you're filling those dorms because most of, for example, here at Alcorn, it's been about a decade now, we had the Medgar Evers uh, housing village. It was paid with public-private monies, bond money, state money. And so in order to pay those bonds back, you have to fill up those housing units. So when you when you look at the data, those type of things just don't happen. And we talked about it last week. These things just don't happen overnight, especially when you're dealing with state dollars. You have to prove and show that you can fill up and your 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 infrastructure is already at max and you need more. So talk about that pivot. Does it have to be quickly? We were on an upward trajectory in terms of enrollment, in terms of our capacity and infrastructure. How quickly? can these things happen knowing that when most of our schools are publicly funded with the exception of Bethune-Cookman, how quickly can these things happen to try to increase capacity to deal with the challenges that we have, the potential good challenges that, that, that we might have coming up? Excellent question. And frankly, I don't believe that we can do them quickly, which is the real mm-hmm. challenge. I just do not think it's realistic, particularly if you're going to do it right. Oftentimes, as we know, Usually some of our worst decisions are when we make them rashly or quickly. Hastily, yeah. Right? Let's just be frank. Mm-hmm. Usually when we study things a little more and get a chance to do what I call our homework, right, we tend to have better outcomes. So just by definition, uh, it's not something that is what we want to do quickly. And then more importantly, to the crux of your question, the pivot and the challenge of doing that is really a challenge. And so as you talk to your state governance, they have all these measures they use. And I'm not saying they're necessarily the right measures for HBCUs, 
Uh, but you know, a lot of these folks are not necessarily friends to HBCU, so they can care less. So you're talking about retention, right? And we sometimes mm -hmm. talk about that in terms of APR, but that's also a measure that's used for the university in terms of ac academics. Retention and retards returning students, uh, and obviously uh, their academic acceleration, if you would, in terms of making it to the next semester, passing, essentially passing as many classes as possible, right? Uh, so they continue to matriculate. And lastly, at some point, you're also looking at graduation rate. So these are things that you're going to ask you to look um, holistically, as well as your applications and in your enrollment of students. They're going to look at all these different measures and saying, well, we don't know if it makes sense to build or help supplement the institution to build more dorms. And already we know that they're not necessarily the type of individuals that are looking for reasons to support us. They're actually looking for reasons yeah. not to support HBCUs. Mm -hmm. Let's be frank here. You know, we can have these tough conversations right here uh, because it's amongst us of trying to figure out how do we move forward. So absolutely. So what if we do some things like they said at Fisk? I think I saw some people put out there where they yeah. buy these boxcars. Um, I saw that. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or they rent out the space of hotel rooms. Well, oftentimes, if somebody's going to sell a hotel, usually it probably needs a little bit of renovation. Uh, nobody's going to sell you a brand new state-of-art hotel because if it is, they're probably making money off of it already. And so why mm -hmm. would they sell it uh, if they're making money off of it? So usually you're going to buy something that is not necessarily making a lot of money, so they kind of want to get it off their hands. And usually that means it's probably a little older, which means you need to do some work to it. Where are you going to get that money? HBCUs do not have just cash sitting around. Uh, it's not that they're cash poor, but oftentimes there's little margins for room of error. Everything allocated to them is basically spent to make sure that they're able to do the things of daily operational, make sure that they uh, move forward. So there's just not a lot of investment funds there. So where are you going to get those funds to purchase it, renovate it, and have it ready in short order or purchase boxcars? Where are you going to buy the land that you're going to acquire to sit those boxcars on? So all those questions we, we really need to consider in regards to the challenges. And let me be frank with this one. i let you jump back in, Carlos. I see you want to follow up or move to the next one. Uh, but oftentimes when I bring up these challenges, it's not to say that we can't get it done. But I'm mm -hmm. just saying that there are a lot more things that we got to think about. And these are not things that you can just turn a switch on, make a call tomorrow, write a check, and it's ready to go in a month. It just takes more time in a real world situation to get it moving. And we have administrators that are start moving these needles. But at some point, we're not necessarily keeping up with the demand. Great point. I, I just want to add, I was making some notes listening to the question that Charles Acts, and I'm gonna try to just keep a simple question. Sure. I underlined on my notes underfunded, and so we're talking about all of the different things that are needed with the growth. The responsibility of this, and I'll just say the state public institutions. I've seen some information underfunded by the billions totally. Simple question: Wouldn't that money owed? 
the HBCUs, if if I'm using the right term, old, would help tremendously. And you still would have to have, of course, a plan. And you still would, uh, it, it wouldn't just happen in the twinkling of an eye. But that money being underfunded, wouldn't that help the equation? First, I'd like to say you're using the right words. Oh, so this money that uh, for various reasons have not went to the destination that it was due to go. So the right word to use is oh. Um, secondly, to answer your question, frankly, is yes. Not only yes, but hell yes. Yes. Billion dollars is hell. Hell yes. Yes. Correct. Yes. That that money is significant, and in this world, particularly in this country, uh, that is based in a lot of ways on capitalism, money allows you to do a lot of things. And oftentimes, the more money you have, it actually allows you to make more errors. These big institutions are not error free. They just have the capital to deal with mistakes they make along the line. When you are cash strapped or poor, as they like to say on the street, to pay your monthly bill, you just can't make errors. Your car cannot go out. Margin is thin. You just yeah. don't have the funds to deal with that error, which is just life happening. As somebody that has gainfully employed and been able to save up, if you have car issues, it may hurt you a little bit, but you have the ability to navigate this space because you can either go get a rental car or you have insurance in such a way that if it's a certain thing that happens to your car, that the insurance is going to pay for your rental car to get the work done, right? So you have many avenues that you don't even realize that are benefits because you are in a position uh, uh, financially where you can make decisions. Well, this is the same thing with institutions. If you have these billions of dollars, I would suggest that you would be ahead of the curve in the first place, that you would already have a larger enrollment. So you would already be in a position uh, where you're taking more students in applications. You are already doing the things that are necessary. So the second wave that comes in, you're in a position to take care of that too. You've already paid your uh, staff significant money uh, to keep up with the cost of living. You're already paying your faculty significant amounts of money. So you're getting in uh, even brighter and better faculty members to your staff. So all these things are certainly ways where HBCUs would be beneficial coming into this and certainly in better positions uh, to move forward in terms of the decision that was made. Without a doubt, unequivocally, I say yes. They're relevant, still needed today, HBCUs, and they have to be relevant and financially sound, culturally sound, after we're long gone, Dr. Cavill. We're visiting with Dr. Kenyatta Cavill inside the HBCU Sports Lab, a special guest here on today's show. Let's see, my other notes that I wanted to go off, and I know you got a chance to see, we were talking about uh, the FCS budgets that were released. I, I saw USA Today and a couple other organizations. Um, and I got a chance years ago to see kind of a study that you were doing when you were visiting here in Baton Rouge. And um, I kind of looked and compared the notes then 
<laughs> to the last <laughs> projections and revenue. And so I specifically looked at, and you don't just necessarily have to, but I just specifically looked at Southern University and I, I see that they've, they've yeah. grown their expenses, their revenue, well, their revenue, but their expenses have grown as well. And then I remember the conversation we had about allocations, uh, student fees and all that. So all that to say this, uh, your, your perspective, I don't think you're surprised from comparing then and now. Absolutely. I'm not surprised, but the growth factor, I must admit, did surprise me. Okay. I mean, we're just talking about a little over a decade. And to give a specific mm-hmm. example that you're talking about with Southern, we looked at this numbers when I was doing a study for Texas Southern University. At that time, obviously, it was confidential, but time has passed and I can open up and tell a little more. But I wanted you, as you were educating the masses, and I thought your platform was a perfect space, that we got a chance to at least take a, a dive into what these numbers. In 2010, uh, the revenue for Southern University was just under $3 million, Charles. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Just under $3 million in 2010, the revenue. You just saw what the revenue was this time, what? Over mm-hmm. $18 million. That's 517 517% increase in yep. less than a dec- decade and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... At they previously were doing an allocation of 43 uh, percent, yeah. and they have increased to a 72.4 percent allocation. So it's always fascinating to see, you know, what created that necessity. You know, was it them seeing what was going on at Prairie View and Texas Southern when we saw the rise of Texas Southern and Prairie View in terms of the Commissioner Cup? championship championships they were winning during that decade and i told carlos then charles is that watch what prairie view and texas southern does they're spending the most money they're going to win a lot more across the board and sure enough for about a decade they were winning Uh, but all of a sudden now you see them backslide a little bit in terms of what they're paying prairie view at that time was paying 7.9 million dollars which was the top of the conference. Yeah. Now they're playing, they've doubled that almost, a little less than double that, to $14.3 million. They were doing 80% allocation back in 2010, doing 75.9 or 76% allocation currently. Uh, But now they're doing, what, almost $5 million less than Southern. Hmm. We see about the competitive balance. You start to see it shift. So there is a direct relationship in regards to what you want to spend on revenue, which Charles always talks about when making these coaching decisions. I love when he brings it up. I love <laughs> when he talks about your I'm like cheering back here. I was like, he on the money. Tell him, Charles, I'm cheering. You think I was a basketball football game cheering? We just scored a touchdown. I'm like, yeah, Charles, tell him. See, you know, when Coach Petaway comes in here, I like, yeah, tell him Petaway, tell him the real, tell him the real. Keep talking, keep talking. <laughs> Carlos, ask those great questions. Hey, we need to hit him. Uh, you bring, you bring the AD on, previous AD, and he works in administration. I say, oh, they, they, they uncover the bail. I say, they just uncover the bail. Educate these people. And I don't mean to say that we are 
ignorant. I'm just saying sometimes we don't know. We need to expose folks so they become better informed. What happens when you're better informed? You tend to make wiser decisions. Decision. You ask uh -huh. questions to the stewards of your university, uh, which helps you then make a better decision on how you're going to support them. So lastly, uh, since we have all corn on here in Gramlin, I'll talk about those quickly and then we can open up for any further dialogue. Uh, back in 2010, though, Gramlin was just over $3 million, 3.1. Currently, they're doing 11.3. So they've Increased 260%, but they're not keeping up with everybody else at 18 and 14 million. So Oof. it makes sense that they're struggling to some degree, right? Mm -hmm. And even if they made the right decisions in terms of the hire of the VP of athletics, it takes a little time to get back up and they got to find a way to increase their revenue if they want to be competitive. But look at Alcorn um, and the challenge I will say that they have in regards to. Uh, in 2010, they were closer to the norm. The spread wasn't as big. The average in 2010 was $4.9 million for all the institutions you average. Uh, the average now is $11.87 million. Back then, Alcorn was doing 3.7, 66% allocation, but now they're doing 6.1. So they have doubled but look how far they are behind hmm. Southern at 18 million. That's three times. You don't think that's going to hurt in many areas of athletics? Now, the final thing I will say is like, there are some cases where you have a coach that it can supersede and get it done, like you see in men's basketball. But Blessing. that's not the norm. Hmm. But now folks will compare and say that's the norm. But really, you have an outlier, somebody that is outpacing and really gives you an indication of just how great they are. And why I would say if there's ever a coaching out there and you won't want to hear this, Charles, that's somebody you need to go get. Well, what's, what, what the numbers you just gave out for Alcorn is stunning in the sense that I looked at the fact during this decade period, we won six straight division titles. We went yeah, to the so Celebration well. Bowl. We won the SWAC Championship. That's a million bucks in the Celebration Bowl. We hosted the first two SWAC championship games on campus. That was a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty penny. And yet, you talk about the upward trend. Um, that's tough. You know, I mean, you're you're looking at the data, and I didn't I didn't know that because a lot of people feel like a lot of Alkanites feel like, man, look at this stadium is packed, and look at the money we brought in, and all of that. And so there's an assumption that man, we on the come up. We're we're right at that mid tier at least. You know, you talk about the Jacksons, the Bama States, the Texas Southerns, the Prairie Views of the world. We based on the success we had during that six year run with six straight division titles, we ought to be right there. That's a great point. Take out the good good the other one. Great point. And let me make it even more solid so you so you'll get people can hear the tangible point that you're making, Charles. If you take out Bethune-Cookman and the other 11 schools, because we don't have the information because they're private, we'd assume it's higher because it just costs more, right, to go to private institutions. Right. But Alcorn currently has the second lowest in terms of revenues that they're producing in the 12-member conference where we're measuring 11 schools. The only school behind them is guess who? 
the other school in the state of Mississippi, Mississippi, Mississippi Valley. Valley State. Well, you, you, you know, Dr. Kavir, and, and you look at Southern, number one, I guess we can put it that way, budget, you know, as far as how big it is, where they've come from. But they have some Southernites are not satisfied. They, because of what you just said, then, from that angle, Southern should be dominating. I'm going to go like the uh, all sports trophy, the Commissioner's Cup. But that that is because of multiple sports programs doing well. With Alcorn, I look at it, it's football and then Coach Bussey, basketball. But football produces the most revenue and takes care of the other sports. So um, it's like from A to Z, but all points in between, it's a lot of layers, <laughs> Dr. Kavir. And I'm sure you could lecture on this for four hours <laughs> or more to get through those those layers. But I'm kind of looking from the outside. This is a good one. This is a good question. Southern, I know where you're going. Southern Knights, and, and I can't speak for all of them, they're concerned that they're not winning the Commissioner's Cup. And I guess I'm trying to tie it into the revenues like they did at one point where they won six, seven, eight years in a row. Good. One of the things that we need to backload and look at this, one of the issues that Southern has in terms of competing for the Commissioner Cup is not just based on the revenue, but also the number of sports. Well, good point they because they're adding some. Compared, yeah. compared to Jackson State uh, that was up in the running that has 16 sports and more so what Alabama State that has 18 sports. Mm -hmm. So that's a major differential when you're talking about mm -hmm. uh, three different sports where you can gain points. The Southern can't gain any points. And right? to your point, yeah. you're absolutely right. They're adding three sports coming up. Men's and women's golf and men's tennis. Right. So that's the one of the things you want to look at is you really want to look at your number of sports uh, and how you allocate that money towards those sports. And so you got certain sports, which we call the money sports, football, basketball, baseball. And we'll say basketball. We'll do both men's and women's just for um, some gender equity because I think it is important. But let's just call those the revenue or most eyeball sports. So some people will look directly about how well you do in those sports versus how well you do in overall sports, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of track and field, that is really a multi-sport uh, uh, component because you have indoor, outdoor, and you can get so many different points from it in regards to that and how it can put you over the top. But the other thing that people need to consider is is just just because Southern is make paying eighteen million in revenue. If I look at this as the average, the average for the conference is just under 12 million to simplify. Mm -hmm. The median, though, is 13 million, just over 13 million. So that means those schools that are doing above that are batting above that. With, and then there's the standard deviation. I won't get into that, but it's important to understand just because you spend the most may not mean that you're spending enough to create the separation that you want. Because you have Alabama A&M, for example, spending $14 million. You have mm -hmm. Alabama State spending $14 million. You have FAMU spending $13 million. Uh, and you have Prairie View spending $14 million. And you have Texas Southern spending $13 million. 
So you have five schools, correct? Six schools mm -hmm. that are not that far away from how much Southern is spending, particularly when you talk about the overall health of athletics based on the number of sports. So as they add sports, their revenue is going to grow. And now you might get that differential that you're looking for that's going to take Southern over the top and showing the health of the overall program if they keep spending at the pace they're spending. But you got to take a caveat. This was a mm -hmm. world where for all folks want to win. And that's what some folks from Southern get. We got <laughs> to look at and we can look at baseball is, specifically. Exactly. That prayer of you, Jackson State, fam, you all them folks is listening to these numbers too. And they're going to do what to their administration? They're going to go to their administration and say, we need to keep up with them. We don't want to fall behind. Or we want to... It's a, bu so it's a budget race. Wheel. Everybody will start chasing within their means to saying we want to get closer to that revenue. And this is not even the taking the fact that the distribution from the conference with the new television deals and the new sponsorship is growing. It's my understanding that this year the SWAT distributed over $13.5 million, the most that it ever has, which is significant high and on the way to catching some of the bottom FBS conferences. Pretty much everybody in the conference was receiving about a million dollars. What does that do for your distribution? Uh, the top school received like a $2 million check, and which did not count the million dollars plus that they received for hosting a championship game. So you're talking about teams that are getting in like $3 million. So you can start now to really invest in your program and not ask your administration to have to dig in their pockets to help facilitate the growth of your athletic program. So this is a changing paradigm where we really need to look at this over the next 10 years where we see a gigantic leap. We think what we saw from 10 to 2021 was big. Wait till you start seeing now if the trajectory of what we're hearing about the payouts will likely be true. And we haven't even gotten the fact that the ESPN deal will be renegotiated in a couple of years, which should create more revenue. Competition. God, last thing is, how much are we outpacing our peers? Oftentimes we look at FBS, but what are we doing compared to the other FCS programs that do not even pay distribution to their membership? Hmm. Well, that's a perfect way to end this conversation because we could go even further. But no unfortunately, I, I have another guest coming behind. But, you know, as always, I'm going to say this. Appreciate your perspective. And guess what, Dr. Kavir, we'll, we'll, we'll have you back. I got to do a bit, uh, a little bit better job of getting you on a little bit more frequently because no hey, you, you, you bring the gusto and perspective on that. And uh, as always, you're never too old to learn. And, I, <laughs> and, I, and I've learned some uh, information that I can use and now tell somebody else not as great as you dr Kavir, but at least i'm in the i'm in, I'm in the i'm in the baseball stadium I, I, i'm in the that's right that's right i'm in the bullpen <laughs> you're, you're, you're the starter so uh with that being said enjoy the rest of your weekend continue success on the show and uh we appreciate it no problem next time we get into some ticket sales and other stuff but 
continue oh, to do the yeah. great work that you're doing, Carlos Brown, Charles Edmund. The matchup, you all do a great work in terms of HBCUs. When you bring on the AD coaches, the perspective they give, I, I mean this with everything, is extremely important. So the work that you're doing is important to continuing providing information to the masses of HBCU fans out there. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate everything you do. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Appreciate it. And to you and uh, Mike Washington and that smooth talking guy, Charles Bishop, <laughs> uh, continue to continue the great work. <laughs> Thanks. That was Dr. Kenyatta Caville. We'll take a quick timeout. Um, I'm going to check with the producer and see if our final guest is, is ready. We'll take a timeout. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational. Powerhouse. Intelligent and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot -E com. Kevers Voice. Kevers Voice. Kevers Voice dot com. Always on. All the time. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Caville of Dr. Caville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Caville's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. At Hampton Law, our primary goal is to provide non-traditional yet effective solutions and redefine the approach to client legal concerns. As your trusted legal advisor, we believe in sophisticated, personalized services that eliminate the confusion and complexity sometimes associated with legal matters. Our high standard for client care and concern, coupled with our extensive legal knowledge and skills, make Hampton Law a resource focused on the protection of the client's interest and overall goals. We value our clients and truly enjoy working with them. Visit thamptonlaw.com to conveniently schedule an appointment online. Tamika Hampton Esquire. 1631 Rock Springs Road, Suite 336, Apopka, Florida, 407-494-1471, thamptonlaw.com. Majesty is a premium health and wellness tea line focused on bringing delicious yet healthy tea blends to the community. Filled with an abundance of vitamins and antioxidants, we work to blend teas with exotic spices and fruits to produce scrumptious and wholesome beverages. So check us out at MyMajesties.com. That's M-Y-M-A-J-E-S-T-E-A-S.com. My Majesties, an Urban Passport member. 
you gotta love the uh, human jukebox. Um, I'm, I'm going to uh, put out an invitation to Dr. Kendrick, Southern University um, band director. I'll do that in the next upcoming weeks. Well, hopefully, we'll be able to get him in. Also, um, I've been asked to see if we can get Coach Dooley on before, because you know, Charles, it's that time is narrowing. Where they're available, a lot of the coaches now are taking vacations, getting ready for fall camp. So now is the time to try to get them, get them, get them on. And so, uh, you know, I, I do get email all the time asking about, can you get this guest and that guest? We're waiting to hear from um, Ivan Thomas, but until he joins us, we can just kind of give you some basic information. His um, Huddle highlights and also um, his information. And as you can see, Hutchinson Junior College, 6'4, 230 pounds, rated the number one Juco tight end in the nation. Now he's committed to Southern University. That's not signed, but he's committed. And um, as you can see, the highlights, great speed. You know what? He reminds me of. And I'll just have to go back in the day. God rest his soul, Kevin McGee. You know, not physically as big as him, but able to uh, stretch the field. He seems to be a nightmare matchup for linebackers. I'm trying to see, you know, when you talk about tight end, sometimes, Charles, you talk about the complete package, a receiving tight end, or one that can do uh, equally receiving and blocking but um he signed with louisiana tech um also was at florida international and uh, now hutchinson junior college so you can see him spread out right there out on the flank and um he's a big target six four two thirty now i was looking at his high school records Always 6'4", but it was like 210 pounds. So he's put on some solid weight, and he's got good speed. And I, uh, I, I tell you what, Carlos, it's one thing that we don't, and this is just, we, you've seen a lot of games, and I have too in this conference. We do not utilize the tie, our tight ends enough. That's that a fair statement. That is something that, you know, we've had some really good tight ends at Alcorn that just, it was a struggle to get them involved. We tried to, but couldn't as much as we probably would like to. I think throughout the league, we don't talk enough about the tight ends and how they're underutilized. And I think at every school, we can talk about that. We talk about the quarterback. We talk about the running back. We talk about the wide receivers. Third and three, those tough yards in the box. How can you get that done? That's where you got to have a, have a possession tight end. And we just don't – we have them, but we don't utilize them. Some don't. Some do, but don't utilize them. So I think that's something that, you know, we hope to see more of in this highlight here shows I think Coach Dooley is fairly aware you got to have a possession tied in on a third and four in which you got to find a way to grind that out. And I think he he acknowledges that and it's a pretty good, pretty good look here on this video. Well, and then two, you you utilize him on one-on-one -on -one matchups. And he's lined up on, you know, a safety or a linebacker. You know, I I, I like those chance chances. Let me let me also add this because I've listened to some national shows. The prognosticators have realized that, and you'll hear this statement, involvement with the tight end, it's a lost art. 
backs coming out of the backfield in in the in the passing formations utilized. It's a lost art, but at one time it 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 was the norm. It was a standard. But then you you know you went to you know wide open spread offenses, and then they just deleted the use of the tight end. He's just basically you know in the H back. But I I think, and I could be wrong. I think you will see tight ends trending up. Now, to your specific point, will you see them in the swag? Now, I can remember Jackson State had a pretty good tight end. And I want to say Alabama and them in Alcorn. But to your point, they they didn't utilize them enough. Yeah, it's, we, we, we've had quite a few th- throughout the course of, of Braves history, even in recent history, that we just – you know the the two tight end set. Uh, we you know, we we've had that, but just never could really. You know, Fred McNair talked about getting the tight ends more involved. We talked about it every week, just about when, when we had a plethora of tight ends, but just never could really get it going the way we we want to. But it's it's critical, especially now with these spread offenses. You need some short yardage, short yardage situations, and you get a tight end at six five. 250 that can run downhill that can run over somebody that's exactly what you need because defenses are getting faster you got to get the ball out of your hands quickly and if you can get it to a tight end a check down that can get you those grimy yards you got something special yeah and and, and to your point and and i also but what i love about tight ends like Ivan, they stretch the field. Yeah. I'm going I'm going back to it again. You you've got one-on-one coverage and he's got speed, great hands, soft hands as you can see. That's a weapon that you can account for all the time on the defensive because you're gonna still be looking at your wide outs, your slot receivers. That's another weapon. And, and what I like also and I'm hoping to see, I'm hoping to see because they had tight ends last year that Southern didn't utilize, just in my humble opinion. But they're the coach; they know better. <laughs> no, they, I, I they, they, they do. But yeah. what I saw in the spring, and they just show you a little snippet, basic. If you can utilize, and here's my point: if you can utilize the tight end more, and the backs like Sims and Kobe Dillon coming out of the backfield, and that's just one, two more weapons that you have to concentrate on, and that just opens up the field even more. Yeah, when when you got a tight end in a short yardage, you crowd the box, then you get you can open it up with your speed. There's there's a lot of options. The, the tight end's good eye candy. If you can get it to them, even even if you don't, just the just that mm-hmm. threat. If you have a solid tight end, can definitely help your offense. I think every school in this conference has a tight end or two, but are they utilized? As much no, we can. I think we can say that with great certainty. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping to see, you know, involvement with the tight ends, you know, with, with Southern University um, this upcoming 2023 season. Um, when we look and just talking to different people, they're excited about the upcoming uh, 2023 season. Um, early in the show, you, I think you said you were kind of surprised. Alabama State, it, it's, it doesn't count as a conference record, but it counts overall. And then the oh. next week, yeah, Jackson State doesn't count conference-wise, okay. but it's still important because it, yeah. it, it counts over. So if you look at 
in, in your school, where you work at, the first, the AD always says this, our colleague, September will let us know a lot. Even with these preseason polls, it's opinions, but we'll know in the end of September what kind of team that you have. And so, uh, you know, Southern has Alabama A&M, Alabama State, Jackson State, and, and fam, fam you. So this team, and I've tried to do it the last couple of weeks, bring you the new additions that we've had on, on the defense. Um, we look at the season last year, Charles. Southern was second in, in, in you know, the defensive statistics behind Jackson State. Um, they put on their resume takeaways and pick six. They were in the top in FCS. So you know where I'm going with this. The wide receiver room, some improvement, it's stacked. Um, the running back room, the biggest question is going to be the quarterback room. And O-line has some depth coming back. They've added some pieces. So you, it's multi-layers to this. But quarterback is what you hear about the most being discussed and you can be brutally sure the majority of it was let's go back a lot of southern when i say a lot let me just preface this some because i can't put a a number on it but they're disappointed of the quarterback play last year and the staff's willingness not to make changes and Bubba McDaniels, right? So what I say is, it's a valid point. Constructive criticism, understand that. I get it. We get it on the show. But it's last year. It's over with. If you could change it, you would, but you can't. So we have to get past it. And I guess my point is this as well. If Let's say Bubba McDaniel was a quarterback the whole year. And the the season ended the way it ended. Southern Falls to Jackson State. I'm wondering if some of the fans would still feel a certain type of way or would they have a different feeling. But their blame was strictly with Coach Dooley and the staff. And I'm, I'm saying from what I'm hearing from them is because the better quarterback didn't sustain and play the whole season. And then they point specifically to the Jackson State game where Bubba McDaniel, the championship game, 400-something yards of total offense. And, and Bubba McDaniel performed well. But I also can go back a couple of years when Coach Rollins was the interim football coach and Southern had Jack State on the ropes then. I think it was Coach Sanders' first fall season. They had a touchdown that they felt was a touchdown got taken away. Okay, I understand that. But if you remember late in that game, Southern's up, and they just really convert a third down and make a first down a couple. They can run some more time off the clock. Jack State doesn't score two touchdowns to take the win. But the point is, even that, that's over with. I understand 
you know, your passion. But I'm, I'm personally, I'm past it. That was last year. I'm looking for 2023 and let the chips fall where they may. Well, I think you can say the same thing, you know, for Alcorn as well. I mean, you know, our fans talked about Aaron Allen, who was Louisiana Tech transfer. He gets hurt. Our number two quarterback transfers. And so we're we're down to four, we're down to our third and fourth string quarterbacks to try to get through the rest of the season. And so, you know, the decisions that were made in terms of Aaron Allen and how he struggled at times. He's a pocket passer, doesn't have the mobility. There's a lot of questions there. People still talk about that, even and as you said, referring back to last year. But when you've had success and then you don't have success, people are still fed up and ticked off about it. You know, we've had success. We've talked about six straight division titles. Now we've had two bad years in a row. It's a big year coming up here uh, with, with our quarterback, you know, the Missouri transfer coming in. So there's there's going to be some questions. There's going to be some pressure. There's going to be some head scratching. But at the end of the day, you have to look forward. You can't look back. You know, as fans, we can, but coaches can't. And so as Coach Dooley, I'm sure he'll probably think, I'm sure he thinks about 2022 from time to time. But, hey, he's got a full quarterback room with a quarterback coach who's a Hall of Famer. I think he's going full speed ahead and looking forward to Alabama State in that game one in Montgomery. Uh, I want to read because we're just about out of time. Two minutes left. Uh, appreciate everybody. Look, you don't have to agree with me or the guests. You can disagree, and you have great points. That, there we go. That's what I wanted to look at. Joseph, Southern may not have won the title with McDaniel, but, but both games against JSU would have been closer. I grant you that, David. I, I would agree. I would agree with that. I really would. You know, I used to have a friend who's a, 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 a DB. Made all state, but, you know, he, he told me something. He gave up a, a game-winning touchdown, and they lost. He said, but when you play that position – the mindset has to be for the next game in practice, I go back and look at my state. But if I dwell on giving up that big play, it's going to affect me going forward. And that's what I look at. Look, I grant you, you know, valid point. What happened last year with the quarterback situation? Valid points. But don't look bad. Look forward. And from what I see in that quarterback room, I think the room is much better looking <laughs> than, than, than last year. And so they have all the pieces in place. They just got to get go out and do it. Charles, uh, we got to wrap it up. Closing comments. Hey, look, looking forward to a good, good show today. Looking forward to media day and just looking forward to talking some more football. A lot to talk about at all of our schools and good job with Dr. Cavill and the data. Just, just looking forward to continuing to talk about the SWAC and HBCUs and what we can do to be bigger and better. All, all, all righty, Pat. Wait a minute. You talked to Chuck. Wait a minute, Pat. Pat Riley said he didn't talk to, 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 to you <laughs> the show. Here, here, breaking news. Carlos, we're going to get it done. Lillard in Miami, and we're going to be able to add pieces. Tell Coach Petaway, don't worry about subtractions. Worry more about the additions. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Pat, and thanks for those tickets. Uh, I, I, I'll text you back. want to thank Roy and, and, and all our guests, <laughs> Dr. Cavill, Charles, 
Edlin, we had Coach Van Petaway, we had uh, Dylan Marotra, and uh, we'll try to rebook uh, Ivan Thomas, but we were able to show his highlights. Uh, everyone in the chat room, we appreciate you. Like, subscribe. Yeah, I will do it, Joseph. Please get Dr. McClellan back on. I'll reach out to him this week. And, uh, does he have an agent? No, I don't think not, so. But um, that's it. We're out of here. Until next Saturday at, uh, that's a little bit early there, uh, <laughs> at, at 11 a.m. for another edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Like, subscribe, share, and hit that notification. Peace and God bless.